Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, A.J. Hogue, where A.J.'s more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's A.J. with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, I'm A.J. Hogue, the author of Effortless English. Learn to speak English like a native. Learn English with me. Speak English fluently, confidently, persuasively. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Talking to you from the coffee shop today. I guess we could call this a coffee and talk. Coffee and talk. Didn't walk to work today again because uh, got started late today. This morning my super cute little niece visited. Koharuchan. So cute. Oh my god, she's so cute. Two years old. So sweet. So she and her mom visited. So went and met her at the station today and then walked with her and played around with her in the park. Then we looked, went and looked at the bugs. Masanori's uh, big beetles. There, he has two now. I took a picture on Instagram of one of my nephews. Big beetles. Rhinoceros beetle, it's called. Big bug. Well, another one was born. Another one <laughs> crawled out of the dirt. So now he has two. One's a male and one's a female. So he's two big rhinoceros beetles now, his pets. <laughs> so little Kaharu wanted to go see him. Masanori, the nephew, he's eight years old. He was at school, but we went over to his apartment his mom was there and showed us the beetles. So Kaharu was excited to see the little bugs. Well, actually, quite big bugs. So anyway, I spent the morning playing with the baby. And so after lunch, I, I just took the train and came here to the coffee shop at Namba Station, Osaka, Japan. Kind of a cool day today. I mean, it's kind of partly cloudy, but you know, good amount of blue sky, but not that hot. Not that hot at all. Quite pleasant. Last night I did a live Effortless English show on Facebook. Did it on Facebook last night, live. Of course, all the shows are recorded and put on my blog at EffortlessEnglishClub.com Last night I talked about being entrepreneurs. So it was a business club show. So you may notice I'm starting to do different themes or different topics for my main shows, which of course are on the audio 
podcast, or you can also watch them on video on the blog. So I've got what I call business club topics. I do that about once a week. And that's where I'm going to talk about being an entrepreneur, being a freelancer, being financially free, giving you my my personal strategy for this, which is different than a lot of people's, honestly. A lot of the people who talk about money, who talk about being an entrepreneur, have a quite different approach than I do. I am a solopreneur, meaning I'm a solo business owner. I am very much focused on being free and having plenty of time in my life to relax and take it easy. So that's quite different than most people. So I'm hoping you'll enjoy learning about my own method and my own approach to being financially free. Of course, another topic that I'm doing, another segment, we have our book club. And right now, our book is also about the same topic of financial freedom. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. But our last book was uh, political. Our last book was Animal Farm by George Orwell. We finished Animal Farm, and now we're doing Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We start Chapter 2 this Saturday. And again, the chapters are long, so I'll probably do just half the chapter. We'll see. I'm planning to do half. If it goes quickly, maybe I'll do the whole thing. But there's there's some kind of key um, ideas that we're going to learn in Chapter 2. Assets and liabilities, expenses and income. Four very important words in business and for financial freedom. And you really have to understand the difference between these four words. So, for example, a liability and an expense, they're different. Some, some people kind of think they mean the same thing or almost the same thing, but they don't. And same with, an, with income and asset. They're different. They're different. But they're related. They're connected. So, uh, these, these, four, these four concepts, these four ideas, these four vocabulary words are really at the heart of Robert Kiyosaki's teaching, and they're really at the heart of all business and finance and accounting. I mean, just the, the, this is just the basic, basic, core, fundamental concepts and ideas of financial knowledge. And what's so crazy is that most of us never learned any of this. They don't teach this stuff in school. I mean, this is basic. It's the most basic. Like every single business person must understand these four ideas. These four concepts. Must, must, must. And I think every single, and Robert Kiyosaki also thinks, every single person in the world (laughs) should understand these four concepts, how they are connected, what they mean, And how to use them to look at your financial life and to improve your financial life. So the fact that we grow up in this modern world, this modern economy, where, you know, money and the financial system is 
so important to our life, has such a huge influence on our lives. And yet we are never taught these most basic concepts and ideas. I mean, th- this should be taught to every school child. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. But, you know, now we've got the internet. Now we can learn. We've got Robert Kiyosaki's excellent book. So we're going to learn about these four concepts, these four very important ideas. You have to understand these. I mean, if you don't understand these four ideas, you can just forget about business, forget about, you know, understanding your finances, forget about being financially free because this is basic stuff, but important, powerful and important. So that's Saturday. That's our book club. Now our book club will not always be about money or book or business. It's just... This one is about money. Last one was political. Probably the next one will be something not political and not money. (laughs) I'm not sure. I've got a list of several. Uh, I've got some literature like uh, Hemingway on my list. I've got some uh, more like about psychology, NLP. I've got a Tony Robbins book on there, a simple one. Tony's easiest book and shortest book. Um... What else do I have on my list? I'll have to look at it. I got a long list of possible books for us to do next. Oh, The Alchemist. That's uh, Paulo Coelho. Uh, the the English version. He probably wrote that in Portuguese. I'm guessing the original book because he's Brazilian. But but I've read the English translation is excellent. So we can use that. That's on my list. Hmm. Oh, we got we got Aldous Huxley, Brave New World. That's kind of political, though, so we're going to wait for that one. Oh, 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 Dumbing Us Down. Dumbing Us Down, John Taylor Gatto. That's probably the next one. That's about education. I mean, yeah, maybe there's some political stuff in there, but, but it's really, it's really focused on learning and education and the problem with our school systems. I think that would be a great one, actually to do next Uh, we almost did it this time and then we decided to do rich dad instead but uh i think the next one will probably be dumbing us down Uh, it's one of my favorite books it's probably my favorite book about education so we got our book club mondays i'm usually doing a video a video show and audio too as you know uh on a just you know a straight effortless english topic so something about Learning English, studying English, improving your English. And I'm also trying once a week to do something purely motivational. Just to keep you motivated, keep you inspired. Keep you thinking strong, positive thoughts. Very important for anything you're doing in your life. I'd like to say thank you to Emmanuel Esposito, one of our active Effortless English family members. He's been very active in my live shows. When I'm doing my live shows on YouTube or my live shows on Facebook, very active and uh, always has great comments or questions, like like right on topic. 
uh, interesting, well thought out. So I, I really appreciate that. So thank you, Manuel. Really appreciate that. Some of sometimes, especially on YouTube, I've noticed uh, some of the live people that get on there commenting are not. I think they're kids. They're like probably teenagers. They're not focused. They're not really listening to the topic. They're trying to do some kind of social text chat. They're distracted, which I find a little annoying, quite honestly. But uh, we also have a whole lot of people who are focused and who really add to the discussion. I mean, that's why I want to do the shows live is because when I do them live and I do the question time at the tor- at the end of the show uh, often you give me very interesting topics new ideas to think about great questions very useful for the audience so I appreciate those of you who do that um, thank you for doing that because you are adding to uh, the audience you know you're you're benefiting you're contributing to our effortless english family when you do that contributing to me you're making my job easier too because you you add cool ideas and that maybe i wouldn't think about and you ask questions that maybe i don't realize or maybe that i need to talk about so thank you very much so manuel thank you his his question yesterday was about children Specifically, he has a uh, cousin or nephew. I think he said cousin. But anyway, um, young. Like, you know, nine years old or something. Um, I don't know. Or maybe it was 14. I don't know. Somewhere in that range. And basically saying that uh, this kid is already interested in being an entrepreneur. Is reading books about being an entrepreneur, which is so cool. It's a great sign. It's a great sign. And uh, he was asking, his question was, should we encourage him to do something? Should we encourage him to start his own business at this young, young age? I think it was 14. I think he was 14. And the second part of the question was, you know, we're worried that he might lose money. So how how do we, how do we protect him from that? great question and got me thinking a lot about kids because uh, you know as adults unfortunately we didn't learn any of of this in school they are not going to learn anything in school about money or finances or being an entrepreneur but what's cool is you know we can learn this now as adults and we are but what's great is as parents as uncles and aunts as older cousins as you know mentors that we can teach and encourage the uh, you know the younger generations the kids so that they start their life with this knowledge they don't have to wait like us i you know i didn't have my first you know my my successful business until i was 38 years old it took me a long time to figure all this stuff out and I, a lot of it, I just had to try things and fail, try and fail, try and fail. Gradually learning this way, which is a slow way to learn. So, 
my answer about that question was yes, encourage him. Get him to start a business immediately. There's nothing to fear. Like the, you, you can control the risks. This is the great thing about starting your own business or being a freelancer, whatever it is, whether it's a kid who's 12 years old or 14 or somebody who's 70, doesn't matter. When, when, you, when you start a business, I mean, this is the cool thing about it, the great thing about it, what most people like about it, is that you are the boss. You are in control. You make all of the decisions. That means if you're smart, you will control the risks. This is a big, big part of starting a small business. And remember, I'm always teaching about small businesses. You know, I'm not teaching you how to start the next Microsoft. I don't know how to start the next Microsoft, okay? (laughs) I can't teach you that. But in terms of a small business with low risks, I mean, you control the risks. Okay, when you start a business, you control how much money you spend. That's the risk. Expenses. We're going to learn about this. Expenses and liabilities. We're going to learn about this with Robert Kiyosaki this, this coming Saturday. You control those. When you keep those low, you limit the risk. Okay, so you, you, you only lose as much as you risk. That's it. Okay, you can only lose what you risk. So if you're starting out, especially if you're new, if you're not confident about your business experience and knowledge, don't risk a lot. Don't do it. It's crazy. People who are more successful, who have a lot of business experience, they can take bigger risks. Okay, Donald Trump can take huge risks with his business, or he could. He's president now, so... I think his son is running the business, but his son, Donald Trump Jr., can take big risks. But they're billionaires, okay? So, and they have years and years and years and years and years and years and years of real estate experience. Okay, but you probably don't. I don't. If I don't know anything about real estate investing, honestly, nothing. I'm thinking about doing it a little bit. So guess what? When I start, I'm not going to go buy some, you know, $5 million building and try to and risk a lot of that money. No, no, no. I'm going to start with something very, very, very small, something that I can lose and not have a disaster. I don't want to lose money, but I'm going just in case if I make a mistake, I'm going to risk only what I could lose comfortably. And so that was my answer to Manuel, was the same, was, okay, yeah, let let this kid start his own business. Don't just let him, encourage him to start his own business. Just be sure that he doesn't risk a lot of money. And, you know, if he does uh, an online business, the risk is, the big risk is um, advertising, probably. I'd say that's the number one risk. That's where you could end up spending and losing a lot of money suddenly. So you have to limit that. You got to watch that. Otherwise, just control his expenses. That's all you got to do to limit the risk. Give him a tight budget. 
and hey and here's the other thing about kids don't just give them stuff don't just give them treat him if you have a kid who's maybe has this entrepreneurial entrepreneurial that's the adjective mindset don't give it money treat it like a real business say okay you want to start a business you need tell me how much do you need to start your business make him figure it out if he doesn't have that money the first thing he has to figure out is how does he get the money to start so you ask you know make him think make him brainstorm or her if you want to help a little bit don't don't just give it to him say okay I'll give you a loan maybe I'll give you a loan (laughs) charge him interest charge her interest on your loan even I mean that's how that's what a bank does so you'd be teaching you'd be teaching him how real business works on a very small small level that's super low risk I think everyone should do this with their children Don't just give them things. Whenever they ask you for something, especially things that are a little more expensive, like I want this video game, I want the computer, I want a cell phone, I want whatever, some clothes, some book bag, a new bicycle, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff that's a little bit expensive, right? Right? I mean, of course you feed them for free. <laughs> okay, they already get free rent and free clothes and free food. So when they ask for other stuff, toys and things, instead of just saying yes or no, that's what most parents do, right? We say, no, can't have that. And then and they get upset. Or we say yes, and then, we sp- and then they get spoiled. But there's a third way, and that is to just start asking them questions. Like you're their coach. You're their mentor. You say, well... How much is it? How much does it cost? We should do some research. You could get online or go to the store and say, let's find out how much this thing costs. You know, again, like it's, let's say it's a video game, like a PS4, PlayStation 4, I think is the new one. So you get online or you go to the, the store and you look and you say, oh, how much is the PS4? Oh, it's, I don't know what it is. What is it? $300, something like that. It's $300. Hmm. It's a little expensive. Um, Well, I'm not going to buy this for you, but if you want it, I will try to help you make $300 to to buy it yourself. How could you make $300 so you could buy this yourself? What could you do? And And then just let them start saying ideas. But they say, and don't just accept one idea. So they say, well, I could, um, you could give it to me. And you go, haha, yeah, good try. No, how could you earn it? <laughs> I'm not going to give it to you. How could you earn $300? And maybe they might start saying, well, I could, you know, I could do this job. I could do that job. It's kind of more doing jobs, a little more like an employee mindset. That's okay. Say, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. And just start writing down their ideas. Say, yeah, what else could you do? What else could you do? What else could you do? This is a great time to teach them this idea that, hey, if you want to buy something, if you want money or need money, then start looking for opportunities, right? This is the first thing you want to teach them. 
You're teaching them power. You're giving them power. When you just give them money or just give them a gift or just give, give them a toy, you're ma- they're powerless. They're totally dependent on you to give it to them. And they're just learning to be spoiled and they're getting the message that any, if I want something, I just have to get it from someone else. And I just got to complain and, and, and try to get it and maybe I'll get it and maybe I won't. That's a very kind of powerless mindset if you think about it, right? The kid has no real power other than complaining and begging. But if you start teaching them instead, well, how, here's how much it costs. How could you earn that amount of money? Now that you're getting them to start getting that hunter mindset we were talking about, hunting for opportunities, looking for opportunities. And this is where you help them. This is where you can be a good coach. So let them suggest some ideas and then maybe you could, you know, if they, su- they might suggest stuff that's really crazy. It's okay. Remember Robert Kiyosaki's first idea was making nickels, right, from lead. And, all, you know, all the adults kind of laughed about it and had to explain to him, well, honestly, that's not going to work. But with coaching, you know, his, from his uh, rich dad, eventually he and his friend came up with the comic book library idea and they did make money. They finally f- found and created an opportunity and made their own money. It was an important lesson for him. Remember, he was only nine years old at that time. You'll be amazed what kids can do if you just encourage them to be creative and to take action and make decisions. They'll, they will amaze you instead of treating them like they're idiots. They're not idiots. I mean, you'll remember, as I've said many times, when I was a little kid that around that same age, nine or something, I was, you know, cutting grass and shoveling snow. I mean, that's not very creative. It's not much of an entrepreneur, but still, at least I was getting the message that if I want extra money, I have to earn it. So it was putting that, that seed, that idea, that belief, that mindset into my head If I want money, I have to hunt for opportunities. I got to think of something and try it. And I thought of that and I tried it. It was simple. It was obvious and it worked. I mean, a big problem I see with young people now, you probably see it too, is we call this an entitled mindset. Entitled. Entitled means basically spoiled. Spoiled. And there's so many young people now who have grown up spoiled and now they're in their 20s and suddenly they're adults and they're out in the real world and they're facing the cold hard reality of life and the cold hard reality is that other people don't care about them the same as their parents other people are not just going to give them things they don't deserve money They don't deserve an easy life. They don't deserve an easy job automatically. If they want success, if they want money, if they want happiness, if they want freedom, they're going to have to fight for it. 
and a lot of them can't handle it. A lot of them really cannot handle it because they were too spoiled when they were young and now they're weak. They're weak. And when they hit this difficulty for the first time in their life, people are not just giving them things. And they, they, I mean, they kind of act like little children, honestly. They kind of, they get angry, they get upset, they get very emotional. You know, and the, the attitude is, give me this, give me, give me, give me, this is not fair. It's terrible. It's sad for them. It's very sad. And many of them are going to need, I don't know, many, many years to unlearn being spoiled. They're going to have some very hard years ahead of them in their life. Hopefully, most of them will learn and figure it out, but many of them might not. I don't know. The point is their parents thought they were helping them, right? Because, oh, they just, you know, of course, the parents, you know, you feel love and all this soft feeling towards your kids and you want to give them everything, but you're not helping them when you give them everything. You're not helping them if you make their life too soft, too easy. Spoiling your kids hurts them in the long run. So instead, train them to start getting this entrepreneur mindset, this opportunity mindset, this hunter mindset. And then when they get older, it will be automatic. Anytime they want something, anytime there's a problem, they will immediately, naturally, automatically start hunting for solutions, hunting for opportunities, making decisions, making things happen. Active, not passive. That's what you want your kids to do, right? When they're older. That's the kind of adults you want your children to be, I imagine. So start when they're little. Make it fun, too. This is the thing. It's fun. Uh, some parents seem to think that this is kind of some kind of horrible thing. But you'll find out that once this kid starts doing this stuff, once they get a little taste, a little experience of this, of earning instead of just begging, once they start doing it and they, s- they see that they have the power to create these opportunities and find them, you're going to notice that they're, they're going to get really excited. Most of them will get excited. They'll en- they enjoy it. And they automatically see it, how Robert Kiyosaki recommends, which is they see it as a game. They start realizing, oh, money's just a game. It's just a game. There are thousands of opportunities out there. I just got to find them or create them so teach your kids this entrepreneurial mindset you'll do them a big big favor and also the other way you teach them is to demonstrate it yourself right start a little side business Get a little part-time freelancing work going. Something like that. I mean, show them that you're doing it. And you can show them your own experience. Show them what you're doing. Teach them through your own actions, through your own experience. Even when you make mistakes and you lose, you can share that experience with them too. And say, ah, look, you know, I tried this and it didn't work. Hmm, what should I do? You start involving them in your own experience as you're learning to be financially free and again you teach them through doing they see ah mom or dad or both 
are also doing this. They're not just forcing me or pushing me to do it. They're doing it too. And then it becomes a family mindset. It becomes a family tradition. It becomes a family value, which will make it even stronger for all of you. You know, I've been talking a lot about the uh, the baselines, voluntary simplicity, you know, all that. I talked about living in my car, that first time living in my car in that summer in Athens, Georgia. Some of you who've known me for a long time, listened to me for a long time, may remember that my, I have a good friend named Kenny. Kenny PV is his full name. Kenny now lives in Bali, on Bali, the island of Bali. Well, Kenny's also from Georgia, and that same summer, the same summer I lived in my car, Kenny also lived in his vehicle. He had a truck, a pickup truck, a little bit bigger than my car. And Kenny would sleep in the back of his truck. So we, we both did the same experiment during the same summer. Kenny and I share a lot of the, these same ideas, these same crazy ideas and values. So that made it sort of extra enjoyable because Kenny and I were both doing it together. So many days we would hang out together. We'd play Frisbee together. We would get together at a coffee shop and talk about our different experiences, share our different ideas, how it was going. His, um, his experience was a little different than mine because he worked a professional full-time job while he was living in his truck. And he even wrote a little book about it, a little ebook about it called YHP, Young Homeless Professional. This is what he called his experiment of baseline, finding his own baseline young homeless professional so his idea what he wanted to do his viewpoint his his experiment was to live in his car you know kind of homeless no apartment no house so to camp in his car his truck and at the same time keep his normal regular full-time job career and he wanted to do it so that nobody knew he wanted it to be secret at his job so that people at his job had no idea that he was actually you know kind of homeless that he was living in a vehicle living in a truck and so he, he also he started it in the summer like i did same town athens georgia he was working at a this place called sandy creek nature center it's a big nature center uh, in athens and he, he's an educator. He's a, he does um, environmental education. So he teaches kids about plants and animals and the environment and that kind of stuff. So Sandy Creek Nature Center also has a, a big park attached to it called Sandy Creek Park. It's very big. It has campgrounds and everything. So since he was working there, he had access, he had keys <laughs> to, the, to the gates in the park. So what he would do is he would park his car, he would take his car, he would park at Sandy Creek Park, 
after it closed, he would just park at one of the campgrounds areas near this little lake. And then he would, you know, cook his dinner on a little cooking camping stove. And he would sleep there in the woods, in the forest, basically. And then in the mornings, he'd go to work early. He'd be the first one to work. And his job, they actually had a shower, a bathroom with a shower at the nature center where he worked, the building where he worked. So he would just go in early before everyone else. He would take a shower there. So he still was nice and clean and neat. And he would, you know, go to work, do his work, and then after work, yeah, we'd usually meet. He and I would hang out together. So it just goes to show I'm, uh, I'm not the only crazy one. And much like me, you know, Kenny, Kenny doesn't live in a truck now. He's got a wife. He's got a child. They live in a, a house. But they live very simply again. His, he keeps his expenses very low. He's also very free. He also became an entrepreneur. And much like me, he had the freedom, the courage to do all of this because he found that baseline, because he lived that summer in his truck and he realized, just like me, that, ah... I can live very, very simply and still be happy. That all these things they tell us we have to have, you know, on TV, the media and school and parents and, you know, all these people and everything, all these messages we get about, oh, we need the, we need the nice car and all the advertising that's pushed on us. We need the, we need the nice place to live that, that actually he realized he didn't need all that stuff that just camping out in his truck in the woods he was perfectly happy perfectly comfortable perfectly safe that he needed very very little and once again the power of this is it destroys the fear it destroys the fear of loss because you realize I don't need to be afraid I can survive not only survive I can be very comfortable and happy with a very, very, very simple life. So like me, Kenny uh, finished that experiment at the end of the summer. He did it for one summer, so not his whole life living in a car. No, just just for probably about... He probably did it about four months, I think. It's about the same as me. And then at that time, after my experiment, you know, I sold my car. I, I went, I had a job in Japan. So I went off to Japan to teach English. And Kenny, at that time, sold his car. And I think that's when he, he went off to Malaysia, actually, at that time. He moved to Malaysia. Because he was living in his truck with no rent and he was working a full-time job with a full-time salary that summer he saved he uh, basically I don't know it was probably 80% of his salary he saved 
So he saved almost all the money he earned during that long summer. I mean, he, he was spending almost nothing and he was making, you know, a good normal salary full time. So he saved a bunch of money in a, in a short time. And then he took that money and he flew to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And he just decided he wanted to go and live there. He had uh, uh, a girlfriend there at the time. So he thought, you know what? I want an adventure. I want to. I want to try this. I want to get out and live. And again, because he 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 tried this experiment, he was fearless. Now he wasn't afraid. So he went to Kuala Lumpur. He, you know, could get a a really small, cheap, simple apartment. He ended up getting a job at an international school teaching science. So he took the risk, and he it it worked. He got actually a, a job that paid very well. And then that job that he got actually gave him a free apartment, which was pretty nice. I remember I visited him in KL. It was very nice. And then ever since that time, he has lived in Southeast Asia. He lived in KL uh, working that job for many years. I visited him a few times in Kuala Lumpur. And then eventually... He got married to an Indonesian woman, and they moved to Bali, the island of Bali. And that's where he's been the last uh, several years, and they have a they have a child. And when he was when he moved to Bali, he decided that he wanted to start his own business instead of working for someone else, right? He wanted the freedom of having his own business because, you know, his job was in Kuala Lumpur, but he wanted to go to, they wanted to go to back to Indonesia. They wanted to live in Bali specifically. And so again, because he knew he could live simply, he had no fear about doing this. So he started his own business and it, you know, at the beginning, I'm sure it was very tight. It was maybe a little challenging and difficult, but they just lived in a super cheap, small place. And then his business started growing little by little, and now they have a house on Bali. So it's just another example. I mean, I'm sharing you these examples to motivate you. Now this, I have to say, this is an area, by the way, this, this, this one point, the baseline living as simply and cheaply as you can still being comfortable this point Robert Kiyosaki and I 100% totally disagree about this point Robert Kiyosaki has a completely different view about this I disagree with him strongly see Robert Kiyosaki thinks this is a terrible thing to cut your expenses, to live super simply. He thinks it's suffering. He, he, he believes that, oh, why would you do that? It's no fun. It makes you suffer. You're, you're, you, you, just, you just need to make a lot of money. Then you can buy everything you want and have this great fun life. I understand what he's saying, but I disagree with him. I, I'm probably coming from a more Taoist uh, Buddhist spiritual uh, mindset than he, than him, than he is. 
and I know the power of it. Because it, it's for me, it's it's about being free and about being happy. It's not just about the money. And as I said, you don't have to do it forever. You do not have to do this forever. But you, I think everyone should do it at least once. Go as low as you can. Find that point and stay there for several months. And especially if you're thinking of being a freelancer, starting a side business while you're still working, anything like that, you should do this. It's actually absolutely crazy to have high overhead, high expenses, liabilities when you're trying to start something with low risk, without much money. It will set you free. Emotionally, it will set you free. Financially, it will set you free. I mean, just imagine how fearless it makes me to know I could live in a car. I mean, the truth is I could live in a tent. I could live in a tent as long as I could find a place that was safe where I would not be bothered. I'd be, I could live in a tent and be pretty comfortable. I could absolutely live in a van. I think my wife could even handle that. I mean, she probably wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> but I think she could probably handle it. No, just knowing her. There's nothing to fear. Not in this area. You know, save your fears for the big, truly scary things. You know, uh, I don't know, criminals, war, uh, truly dangerous things where you, you could be hurt or killed. This is not one of them. You know, I think of another time in my life where I was living very, very, very simply and was super happy and very free, and that was in Bangkok, Thailand. I lived in Bangkok, Thailand for two years. This was, um... Uh, actually, this was after I lived in my van. So I lived in my car for a summer. Then I went to Japan, taught English. Then I went back to Georgia, lived in my van for a year. And then I went to Thailand and lived in Bangkok for two years. And in Bangkok, guess what? Because I, I went to Bangkok after living in a van for a whole year. So you can imagine, I was used to living super, 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 super simply. So when I went to Bangkok, I didn't need much. So what I did is I found this, uh, my friends, I had Thai friends. My Thai friends helped me find a super cheap apartment. The rent was under $100 a month, okay? So this was in a Thai neighborhood, no foreigners living there, no tourists around there. It was, it was across the river from the main, one of the main tourist areas. There's a, if you've been to Bangkok, you'll know, you know, probably Khaosan Road uh, is sort of a famous tourist backpacker area. Well, that's a more expensive area, but I lived across the river where basically only Thai people lived and found this one room uh, basically cement <laughs> apartment one room with a tile it's kind of like a ceramic floor hard you know cement walls had a bathroom with a toilet 
and the shower was only cold water, no hot water in the shower. Thai style, normal Thai style. But, and of course, Thailand's tropical, so hot water is not 100% necessary. Although it did get a little chilly for a couple months in the cool season. <laughs> I must admit, I had to take my showers in the middle of the day when it was the most warm because uh, the water would get a little too chilly in, in the evenings. But that was only a couple months. I had no air conditioning. And believe me, in, during the hot season, it was so hot. <laughs> So what I would do during the hot season, hot season in, in Thailand is like April. And it is, I mean, hot, hot, like sometimes, you know, 40 degrees Celsius sometimes and humid, really hot. So I had a fan, but no air conditioning. So what I would do is I would take a shower, <laughs> but I would not use a towel. So I would still be wet and I would just put on, you know, you know put on some shorts or something. And then I still wet I would put on this stuff called um, prickly heat which is uh, kind of a powder they, they sell in Thailand they sell in Southeast Asia probably uh, definitely Thailand it has a powder and it has like a menthol like you know a, a kind of an oil that is really cool it makes you cool so I'd throw this powder all over my body so I'd be all white <laughs> my face and my body would be white and then I would go I'd run, still kind of wet, with the powder on me. I'd go, lay down in bed, turn the fan on high. And so the fan would be, you know, blowing the, the air on me. And then the powder would make me cool off because it had the little, the oil in it that made me feel cool. And I was... And so that would quickly kind of cool me off enough where I could go to sleep. <laughs> But I'd wake up in the morning and I'd wake up in the morning when it would start to get hot again. You know, it would cool off a bit at night, enough for me to sleep. But then in the morning, of course, you know, I'd say by by nine o'clock in the morning, it would start getting hot in my room and I'd get up and, and just get out. And it was this time living this very simple life in Bangkok. Again, super low expenses, super low. This is when I started my iced coffee habit. This is when I got my little iced coffee addiction. Because I, I started having a, like a morning routine. And what I would do is I'd get up in the morning, uh, get dressed, and then I would walk outside, walk through my neighborhood in Bangkok, and then I would walk across the river. And then I would go into this neighborhood where there was a coffee shop and because it was hot it's always hot in Thailand uh, I started drinking iced coffees you know hot coffee and didn't want to drink that in the super hot summer so I would uh, there was this little coffee shop I really liked it the staff was super nice they would always talk to me so I started going in there for my breakfast and I would I don't know I ordered an iced coffee one day and I liked it so it became kind of my routine every morning I would go there and order an iced coffee and order maybe like a, a little breakfast, an egg or some bread or something. And then I would just sit there and relax, read, and have a nice slow beginning to my day in the morning. Uh, I still have good memories about that. 
I mean, it's so simple. The cost was almost nothing. Super low. Very simple. Very relaxed. And wonderful. And these are the kind of very simple, happy, pleasurable things we can have in life that don't require much money or any money even. I mean, an iced coffee is pretty cheap, <laughs> you know, especially when you're paying less than $100 per month for rent. This is also this time in Bangkok is really where the, 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 the seeds, the beginnings of Effortless English started. I started a blog writing about my English teaching ideas. Because at the same time, I was getting my master's degree in teaching English as a foreign language. So I was doing my master's degree while living in Thailand, while living in Bangkok. And since I was, you know, studying about this and I was also doing internships at different English or language programs, really for my own benefit, just to put my ideas down, I started this blog called effortlessacquisition.blogspot.com. It's still up somewhere, I think. You can still find it, probably. And it was just my random ideas, really. Every day or every few days, I would just write down some idea or some experience about teaching English. And this is, like I said, this is the seeds, the beginnings of the Effortless English system, where I was starting to think through these things, starting to find uh, lots of other different methods, interesting methods, interesting ideas, starting to combine them, starting to think of my own interesting ideas, and just putting them down. And at that time, I was writing mostly for myself, just to help myself think. And the other thing is I had the idea that I was writing for other English teachers. But I quickly figured out after just a few months that the that other English teachers were boring. And they didn't like my ideas. Like they were kind of hostile, like aggressive and, and unfriendly and criticizing. A lot of other English teachers you know, criticizing all my ideas. Whether maybe because they were using traditional methods, didn't want to change. Some of them just jealous, maybe. I don't know. But w the other thing I noticed, however, was the students were very excited about my ideas. I started noticing that it was mostly students started reading my blog. Students started to comment on my blog. Students were asking me for more. Students were excited. So they, the, the actual learners were excited. The other teachers were not. And this is where I realized, ah, I should be writing for the students. I should be creating my blog for the students. I should be serving the students. Forget the other teachers. And so I started to do that more. And then this gradually grew and grew into what we now have many years later effortless English 
But see, you know, I, I look back now. Sometimes when, when, you know, when you're in the middle of something in life, you don't realize the importance. But I can look back now and I realize how important those years were where I had all that time and freedom before starting my own business that the seeds of effortless English the seeds of my freedom started back then and I had all that time to think and to start the blog and to try different things I had all that time because I was living at my baseline because I was living so simply in my car for a summer then in my van for a whole year then in Bangkok, Thailand for two more years it gave me three to four years to really just be completely free and explore all the different ideas that I had and to start moving in the direction of something uh, bigger. So I encourage you, do this do this even if you don't start your own business even if you never become a freelancer it's still worthwhile to do this because you know another way people become financially free is they they just work a job but then they save money every month and they invest that money they invest that extra money every month and then their investments grow and grow and grow until they have quite a lot invested and they're making money from their investments and then that's another way to become free but it only works if you've got that extra money to invest. How do you get the extra money to invest? If you have the same salary, if you're not going to be getting a bigger salary soon, well, there's one way to do it. That's to cut your expenses as low as possible. Then you'll have extra money every month. That extra money, you invest it. Maybe you learn how to do real estate investing. You buy houses and you rent them to people. For example, you buy an apartment or a condo and you rent it out with Airbnb or something like that. Or maybe you learn about, I don't know, stocks and bonds and you invest in that way or some other kinds of businesses. But again, to do that, you have to have money to invest, right? They say it takes money to make money. And there's some truth to that, especially in investing. All right, I'm going to go back into the coffee shop now. I encourage you, f simplify your life. but And don't look at it like, I, again, I, I really disagree with Robert Kiyosaki on this. Don't look at it as some painful, terrible thing. Look at it as something enjoyable, as something wonderful, as something almost spiritual or religious, as a path to freedom, simple happiness. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. By the way, VIP members will do another teleseminar soon. I look forward to talking to you soon. So that's EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Have a great day. Lots of love to you. See you next time. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.